0: Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Strafford, Michael Palmer, Brandon Jones along with you. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about EdTech, EdTech investment, and where all the money is going towards education technology. But first and foremost, always like to check in with Brandon and Michael. Michael, what's new in your world?
1: to my world uh, baseball's uh, starting to settle in so uh nba finals uh, are on the horizon so the nba playoffs are heating up uh the as I, I mentioned uh recently the weather has been improving so i'm starting to believe it's all going to be okay again you know like you have to there's a point in the year if you don't like the cold weather and you don't like the winter and that that's that's i'm definitely one of those guys where you start to realize yeah <laughs> and uh and uh we're about to hit that uh that rhythm so i'm i'm pretty pleased
0: and brandon you are coming off uh, fresh off a trip to asu gsv uh a ed tech conference uh that will be part of the discussion here in about uh, where investments are happening uh, how is your trip and uh what's what's some of the takeaways from that trip
2: yeah so uh, it was a great trip and um Uh, i'll share the takeaways in a second first san diego
1: Mm, just great oh my god
2: so this is uh, asu gsv is often in uh, in san diego Mm -hmm. um and uh last year it was in salt lake city because they had a little scheduling snafu Ah. salt lake city also beautiful big rain i think i i mentioned that last time Ah. the raindrops were um that kept falling on your head and they were they, big they did they were sizable huh but san diego it uh, although it was a little it was a little chilly actually Interesting. um which is you know san diego has this reputation which i think is deserved of always being like 70s and yeah. sunny yeah yeah it was like 60s and windy, so huh. it's it's not it was not as awesome. You think
1: uh, El Ninos uh, could some, be some, could some be. challenges?
2: It's uh, but it's beautiful there, man. The the oh. uh, just being on the being on the water, oh, uh, so great, great food, mm-hmm. um, really kind people. I think it's probably easy to be kind when it's always nice. It's pretty nice. Like when it, the worst weather you've had in three years is 60s and windy, uh, you know. So it was uh, it was great being in in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conference, uh, ASU GSV, uh, the ASU is Arizona States. GSV is global Silicon ventures, Global Silicon Valley. Um, the, uh, it, it's a, it's the, probably the biggest ed tech plus VC, uh, PE money, uh, conference in on, well, at least in the United States. Yeah. It's not CES, right? So it's, it's not, uh, the consumer electronic show. Right. Um, Size, but there were 4,500 people. It's the biggest that it's ever been.
1: So it's a a lot of investors, investment capital, and a lot of folks in, in, interested in education and where education is heading. Is That's that- right. I think there's there's probably like four, four
2: distinct groups within there's some there's some overlap in this in this ven, but um, there are startups. Yep. There are moneyed people, money people. So uh, and investment folks, VCs. Yep. Um,
1: angels, if you will, yeah. Some
2: angels. There are uh, there are people in uh, in K twelve uh-huh. and higher ed. Which is a third bucket, and then there's the sort of para education, um, just sort of network. I would include ourselves in, sure, uh, in that. I was being Kaplan, uh, and um, everybody gets together and 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 talks about what's going on and and spends time with each other. Right. and that's really the the biggest part of the of the meeting my my takeaway is the world is changing pretty quickly
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh people have uh and a lot of this is true of just startup folks but people have um pretty grand ambitions for the types of change that we're going to uh work, that they're going to make
1: yeah
2: um through, uh, everything is, you know, everything is a software company that does something. Yes. So, uh, and through platform plays, there are, you know, groups like uh, Quizlet or a study blue, which are yep. study apps for students, uh, that have tens of millions of users, um, which is, uh, you know, a scale that couldn't be contemplated even 10 years ago. I mean, just in terms of the computing power and. Um, you know processing capabilities Just the and, amount, of, and, amount of data generated. Yeah, and the data solutions that that are provided through the cloud. Yeah um, and uh, There's a lot of optimism in that group right when you've got an, an ambition that is sort of changing the world yep. uh, Yeah, I think that's that's pretty optimistic with you know some clouds on the horizon There was a lot of talk about AI uh, machine learning and, 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 uh, and
1: just, just to be clear by clouds, clouds. you don't mean Amazon <laughs> web services. I did use so, clouds uh, twice uh, in the uh, same, once yeah.
2: I, once I did mean, uh, uh AWS style. Yeah, once yeah. I meant
1: Maybe there's a silver lining there.
2: Yeah. Something was a cumulusly yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't get that out, but you see what I was going for. Yeah. Um, gotta be Nimbus. Yeah. <laughs> to be Nimbus. Uh, yeah, so um, I've, I've now lost the thread <laughs> Success. of- Success. Yeah, you've managed to, yeah, uh, yeah. to, to, to um, distract me. But no, I, I was going to talk about AI machine learning. So there, there were a number. I went to a couple of the, the plenaries. It's, it's uh, um, uh, meetings, even over sessions, yep. is my, uh, my strategic framework. But uh, I did go to some of the plenaries. Um, you went to plenty of plenaries. I did. Uh, I, missed, I missed the first one, which was uh, George W. Bush. Oh, was a wow. speaker uh, on uh, Monday fr- night
1: prior to Barbara's. Passing. Yeah. So
2: it was, it was a little somber. I mean, I think that the, the he knew that it was yes. imminent, the yes. family did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he apparently uh, spoke with great humility and humanism and was funny. And he's, the things. he's been,
1: uh, he's been crushing it since he, since he left <laughs> he the office. He's
2: been, yeah. So um, to, to wrap, to, to put the fine point on final point on this and then happy to discuss more about specifics, but yeah, um, yeah. You know, the the clouds that that accumulated, as I mentioned, um, people talking about, uh, you know, AI's impact on society, people talking about forecasting like 40% unemployment Mm. in the next 30 years Mm. because of all of the types of industry where it will be disruptive to have machines doing better. Yes. What today is done by
0: uh, is done
1: by humans. That, That sounds rather Malthusian. Yeah, I mean, it, transportation's
0: it, it, first though, right? I mean, transportation's the one that's been pointed to. Transportation's that kind of, a big one, and the impact of that is is
2: significant for sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of communities and economy that are built around serving the needs of people involved in the transportation industry. Right, right. But you know, basically, most things that are done by humans can be done better by by machines. Like that's it, that's I believe that not be this true. podcast, Brandon not this well we'll see um, but uh, look if we're doing this podcast in 30 years uh we we will have to reflect on the choices we've made um but uh you know i, I think that's that's interesting so yeah. there's there's both a lot of optimism uh, some big ideas, a lot of money. Yeah. And, uh, I think an imperative to change
1: and a healthy dose of Malthusianism. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> You're leaving, not leaving Thomas, Thomas. Malthus yeah. because, uh, because that is interesting where like he was saying that, uh, you know, population growth back in the day, this is back in the, yeah. the, the late, uh, late 1700s, early 1800s. He was saying that population growth is exponential while the food supply is ar- arithmetical at, at, at best. Uh, and, uh, he wound up being somewhat right, but also pretty significantly wrong. So like, I think lots of times you, you you sort of, you suffer from presentism when you think about that stuff. Like you you think about in the current world, how is our workforce deployed? And uh, if we were to be employing the workforce the same exact way in right. 30, 40 years, then this many, you know, the truckers and the coal miners and the, the, the places where the disruption happens, like they're going to be, you know, taking to the streets and starve because they don't know what else to do. I think it's right to position it as an opportunity. I would think, and that's probably where the optimism was at the summit. But it, it is interesting when you start thinking about um, the the appetite for investment and thinking about the appetite for investment around learning and education. Um, thinking about artificial intelligence is absolutely critical, and then thing about the human side of the future of work is the other thing that um, that I think we've been doing a little bit on the show but I was wondering how much uh, that came through as as a theme uh, because I have heard more discussion uh we've talked about it about how you know uh social emotional learning socio-emotional learning all those things just uh, one of those things right? yeah yeah uh, <laughs> as as being extremely relevant in in the modern age but there's another aspect of social emotional learning that deals with understanding non-human agents yep. and how do i deal with them and how do i deal with automation and how do i how do I think about how my industry is being disrupted so that I land on the continue to land on the right side of uh, the trend curve around uh, automation and the disruption of of the workforce? How much of that was uh, was a theme? I imagine that that's probably the other side, right? So if we're talking about artificial intelligence, a lot of there's some ways in which you can leverage AI to make your instructional products interesting, different, better. But then I imagine thinking about how we train humans to engage with this changing world, you know, the the new disruption of these industries means new skills development that yep. needs to happen. Like, was that the other side of the equation? Yeah, for yeah. sure,
2: for sure. Before I get there, I just I, I should note, uh, my favorite Malthusian uh, uh, fact was, or forecast, I think it was a, uh, the population growth rates at the time of his prediction that in a thousand years, if you apply that um, exponentially, mm. that the diameter – the, excuse me, the, the circumference of the earth yeah. would be expanding at the speed of light just based on human flesh. Wow. Um, that uh, if you just – because it, it just – it's like there's one of these things, like if you can't you can't fold a paper more than eight yeah. times, whatever it is.
1: I'll have I'll have what he's having. Yes. Though, that, that sounds pretty wild. He was, yeah. he was wacky. So,
2: yeah, th- there was a lot um, – on a couple of things. One uh, around reskilling and upskilling. Yep. So as uh, as the workforce needs to change, and as the workforce needs change, um, that the the upskilling, reskilling is going to be, I think, a, a big deal. Yep. And then um, there was a session that that um, I attended uh, on uh, arbitraging the um, the the training and development uh, space. Yep. Yep. Uh, that you know, people who companies that figure out how to arbitrage that, the, the, who can play to that the, that advantage, that will uh, advantage them in the market. Yep. Uh, and there was some interesting it, it, uh, p- points notes on the uh, you know your question about uh, social emotional learning, etc. So there was the the chief former chief learning officer from Qualcomm. We've been there for twenty years. Um, she said that there are uh, that the training. In, in education in the future, and whether you're talking about micro-credentialing, nano-credentialing, which was used yeah. there, whether you're talking about um, uh, reskilling, upskilling, or even the job of higher ed in a more traditional four-year bachelor's degree setting, yeah. she said there are five things. Mm. It's going to be social, global, mobile,
1: mm.
2: personalized, and prescribed.
1: That doesn't smell anything. It doesn't smell anything. Does it spell oh, it doesn't spell anything. It, it probably doesn't spell it. I don't know. Maybe does, it, it's, does maybe it pass the sniff test for you. Maybe it's sentient. It's sentient. Sc- S- S- something that's sentient yeah, can nope. spell something. Nope. You see, what um, see what I did there? I think she's right. I think that those. I think those. Oh, um, I mean, she has a handy acronym called ASPUPOPOUS. <laughs> yeah, Uh
2: but I, I think that's uh that. Those, those seem to be right to me. And there's a big talk from the panelists and uh one of um, our CEOs, uh Andy Tempty, who runs. Capital and Professional Business uh, was one of the panelists. Yep. Uh, the panelist was talking about what the, you know, the the core needs, they as employers, what they found that employers need. It's more on the critical thinking, problem solving, yep. working as part of a team, right. emotional intelligence, uh, all of that and I think that we should be optimistic that the, those are things that are that humans will be more capable of doing at least for the foreseeable future. Yep. And even if a machine is as capable, even if a machine could pass the Turing test, yes, that um, up to at least a point of of absolute verisimilitude, that humans are going to like doing it with humans yes. more than with machines. That's the, yeah. And so um, you know, I I think that's uh, important for us to uh, be be you know thinking about as we're thinking about in the education space, what are the things that we're we're training young learners on that yeah. we're we're training uh, older learners on how do we as learners ourselves, not just trainers, how do we continue to upskill ourselves? Uh, That was a, that was a big theme at the, uh, at the
1: conference. Yeah. And um, did uh, you touched on some notes uh, that made me think of uh, Westworld, Mm -hmm. uh, which is another, uh, you know, just throwing that out there as we've done the Citadel. Yeah. We did a show on stranger things. We did a show on black Panther. We haven't yet addressed Westworld, yeah. but, but Westworld's pretty zeitgeisty. It is pretty zeitgeisty. There's a lot of robots
0: um, and a lot of education going on of those robots. Uh, Brennan, as uh, i reading a couple different articles, it seems uh, that <clears throat> workforce training was a big key to what was being discussed as you just uh, ran down. Did you see a, a move away from uh, discussing higher ed? It's, a couple of articles I've read have said it was a softer tone around higher education and the doom and gloom that seemed to uh, follow higher ed discussions out there. Did you see that as well and more of a move to talking about just workforce readiness, readiness and workforce training, or was there still some tried to disrupt the college ed uh, college education model?
2: No, there was, there was plenty of um, higher ed focus and, and higher ed folks who were there also. Um, yeah you know, there there was a there was a good amount of conversation about the Purdue acquisition of Kaplan University actually now um, mm-hmm. this is not just um mm-hmm. you know uh, shilling here uh that was just uh you know that was the talked about at the at the conference yeah. um, so uh Purdue University acquired Kaplan University an online university with thirty two thousand students and it's now Purdue Global is the name of the new university yep, um, yep. And the idea that there can be more sort of mashups, I've used that word before in this podcast, um, between higher ed and uh, for-profit, and that you can serve the needs of a broader community maybe more quickly and adeptly through those
1: partnerships
2: was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, just to kind of build on that too, uh, I I think we're at a inflection point or there's, there's there's an awakening happening around the dichotomy of higher ed and k twelve as as not really being sufficient uh, in terms of the the entire learning space that, that everyone 's interested in, which is why you know you talked about paraeducators educators or um, you know i 've heard uh, informal education is is really what I prefer to characterize like the space that that I think we 're in and that I think a lot of, that I think the future is in in a lot of ways, and that does tie to workforce development, uh, lifelong learning uh, a lot of those a lot of those themes. And, um, you know, if maybe that's an area we could try to think through the language and figure out, uh, you know, as we talk to the sponsors of ASUGSV about running, uh, you know, some training and education programming uh, next next year, like that might be a track that would be more interesting uh, to, to us. And in some ways, you know, I've been to a, a lot of uh, educational conferences uh, in ASUGSV uh, once, uh, but... Uh, but I've been to other conferences similar. And I do find that frequently, if you just want to talk more broadly about learning and education and how we can help people throughout their life, you wind up having to choose a track that doesn't necessarily, you got to be like, "Eh, that thing over there on the K 12 track feels more like my kind of scene or that thing in higher eds. You know, I think the workforce readiness space, maybe that's the third arm, but, but even then I think sometimes that misses, um, you know, someone who listens to podcasts just to, to continue to learn throughout their life, for example, like our listeners. Right. Yeah. I, I would say that higher ed um, would reject the
2: being penned in as separate from workforce readiness mm-hmm. uh, and maybe even separate from K-12 because they're accepting all obviously all of their students from from K-12. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm just saying that's a limiting and that's their perspective. I just think if you, if you have a more expansive understanding of even workforce, like, the fact that uh, higher ed can engage in workforce readiness is wonderful, welcome to the table, but like that they're the only entity that can is more my perspective. So like to say that, you know, the sort of the the American, generally the American uh, uh, higher ed establishment, the institutions that we have um, are a critical player in anything that's going to happen in education. I'm just starting to see that they're, they're a contributing factor. They're not They're not necessarily even as big as some of the other spaces that are emerging.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, it was just interesting how to Dan's initial question about, you know, is higher ed, is there a softer approach or was sort of sidelined in terms of the focus? Um, you know, I, I think not. At one of the, the sessions, another plenary that I attended was um, had panelists, including the, president of Northeastern, uh, the president of, of Harvey Mudd, um, college and, uh, t- talking about how, um, having sort of the, the internship approach as part of what you do in your undergrad, um, time so that you're graduating with, uh, from Harvey Mudd, you're graduating with, they, they try to have all their students graduate with a, um, with money in their bank account rather yeah, than wow. with debt. Right. Um, and the the woman who is the president, I, I think maybe president, maybe it's provost. The woman who is there representing Harvey Mudd is a Canadian, mm-hmm. and it was interesting. You, know, you mentioned America, the, the interesting sort of Canadian American dynamic yeah. about sure. difference in social equity and social responsibility. Um, I think Higher Ed is trying to get with the program, so I, I agree with with uh, with what you're saying, Mike. But I think that they are they are trying to to they they, they recognize that they're. Uh, behavior and measures need to change in a, in a changing world. And I think they're, I think they're getting there. It was, um,
1: they're a nice baby in some stale water perhaps.
2: Yeah. Um, so as to not be thrown out, um, the, uh, uh, one thing that was interesting, they asked the, the moderator for that same panel asked what America's, what the United States greatest asset and then greatest, greatest unique asset and greatest unique, um, Uh, limitation was and a couple of people cited as the greatest unique limitation that we are the worst in the world. And they either didn't cite the source or I didn't take it down as a note, but we are the worst in the world at reskilling employees who have lost their jobs. Interesting. So, um, you know, I, I, think this, this whole space is really ripe for, opportunity i think as as someone you know who uh, does have a parochial interest in and in representing kaplan sure i think there's a big opportunity for uh, for us yeah. and um you know i think uh hopefully us and others will address that need because i think again to the conversations early in the in the in this show uh there's going to be a need yep
0: At a time when uh, $9.52 billion uh, is being invested in education technology and education, that figure, according to Forbes.com, I'll share that article as well. Plenty still to talk about here, uh, to dive into and discuss across uh, EdTech, the conference, but also even further what happens after a conference like that, where the investment goes, and and what can be next on the horizon. Uh, Great discussion here. Plenty still to get to on this topic as we move forward here on Trending in Education. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Trending. Trending Ed on Facebook at the same. Trending in Ed and Trending in Education.com. Love to hear from you over on iTunes or Stitcher. Leave a comment and a rating. And of course, subscribe on uh, iTunes, Stitcher. Tune in or go directly to Podbean dot com and check us out there. Thanks so much for listening. Appreciate you being here, listening to us right here on Trending in Education.